podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Boys and girls, two footed podcast on Tuesday, the 27th of July, brought to you by EPLindex.com and a presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix, RTE player from outside of Ireland, BBC iPlayer from outside the UK. Also keeps your data safe online. LibertyShield.com. Use the code EPLVPN. You get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. Right, folks, there are some transfers to talk about. Manchester United have agreed a fee with Real Madrid for the signing of Rafael Varane, a fee in the region of about $34 with $8 in add-ons expected to bring the 28-year-old to United. At that price, you can have no complaints. It is a very, very good price for a defender of his caliber. This is a guy who, like I say, at 28, he's right in the middle of his prime. He's won everything, three La Liga titles, four Champions Leagues, a World Cup, played with some of the great players, played in the biggest games, played against great players, been there, seen it all, done it all. He is a quality player. There is absolutely no doubt. But as I say, he's not the player he was three years ago. If they were getting 2018 Rafael Varane, they'd be getting a world-class centre-back, top three or four in his position. He's still top 20 in the position. There's no doubt about that. He's probably top 15, but I don't think he's top 10 anymore. I think he's slipped outside of that. I think he's fallen off a little bit. Because of the injuries he's suffered in his career, he's had to adapt his game. So the lightning pace that we saw in the early part of his career isn't part of his game anymore. He's learned to manage his body a little bit better. He's still a good defender in that he reads the game well. He anticipates very, very well. He's still very good in the air. He's good 1v1. But there are some flaws in his game. Positionally, he can be a little bit questionable at times, can drop a little too deep at times, can step forward a little bit much at times. Simple things. Maguire next to him should help. Maguire will talk him through games. His recovery pace is still far better than Maguire, so he should still be able to cover across and help Maguire. You'll have Luke Shaw on the other side. I think the back four will settle well. The the problem is United don't have the midfield to do that and the attack justice nor the manager. Now, with Varane arriving, I think there's a lot of pressure goes on Oli. They've obviously given Oli a new contract. They gave him Sancho early in the window. Now they've given him Varane. Oli has to win major trophies this year. Major trophies have to arrive at Old Trafford. 
or this has to be considered a failure because this is another massive outlay for United who, let's be fair, have backed Oli substantially during his tenure. If we say the 34 million for Varane on top of 73 for Sancho, uh, you know, it's 107 million straight out the door, plus the add ons that will follow if there's success. They're also looking to bring in Kieran Trippier, who I think will be next in, probably last in for this year. I don't imagine they'll sign anyone else um, this year. They've also signed Paul McShane, which is an odd one. Why have they signed? Oh, he's going to be an overage player in under 23 matches, but they can also register him. They can register him as a homegrown player for the purposes of um, the quota. He spent four years with them, so he's actually an academy player for United. So it's a clever little one. And at 35, look, he's not going to turn that down. He spent a number of years now slaving away in the lower leagues with Hull, Barnsley, Reading the last couple of years at Rochdale. So it's a clever signing for United to bring him in for quota purposes. His wages won't be huge. Um, I think he has ambitions to become a coach. He's spoken about them before. And as he winds down his career, I imagine that's the side of the game he moves into. But it's a big outlay. If we, if we look at Trippier saying that could be another, say, 23, 25 million. So all of a sudden you're over 130 million spent this summer. Last summer, they brought in Donny, they brought in Alex Tellez, they brought in Palestri, and they brought in Ahmed Diallo. That was another $100 million spent. Um, no major outgoings that brought in big money last summer, other than Chris Smalling, I think, brought in $15 million. Rojo went for little or nothing in January. Fosu Mensa went for little or nothing. They had to pay Alexis Sanchez to go away. That might have eaten up much of the money they spent, or sorry, much of the money they, they received for Chris Smalling. The summer before, Ollie's first summer, Dan James was 12 million, Juan Bissaka was 50, Maguire was 80, then it was a further, I think, 54, was it, for Bruno? 47 and 21 million in add ons. You'd imagine quite a few of those add-ons have already been hit. They'll have been based on, you know, goal production, appearances, Champions League qualification. There's probably some in there for winning the Ballon d'Or, winning titles, etc. But I think we can safely say that's gone over the 50 million. Um, so that's another 190 million or plus from that that summer. They've spent a lot of money with Oli. They've spent 300 million and more to come if they bring in Trippier. He has to start returning that with silverware. Otherwise, he's going to be out the door. Now, there's still one massive name sitting out there available as a manager in Antonio Conte. But United have just given Oli a new contract. So whether Conte takes that as his kind of trigger to go and look for jobs when they start coming up, which they likely will in the early part of the season when some clubs get a bit shaky, some clubs have doubts about their appointments, and, uh, and bring in somebody else. But Varane will be 
will be a good addition for United. And all he needs him to settle straight away. The the back four you'd expect now will be Wan Bissaka, Varane, Maguire, and Shaw. It's a lot of big money players. Fifty million for Wan Bissaka, thirty-four for uh for Varane, eighty for Maguire, and thirty-four, I think it was, that they paid for Shaw back in two thousand and fourteen. A lot of money back then for I think he was eighteen at the time. You're well over the you're two hundred and thirty million in in that defense. No, you're two hundred million in. Sorry, you're two hundred million in with that defense. United needed to return big time. And when you look at the the other defenses in the league, I mean, I've seen United fans already proclaim this is now the best defense in the league. I don't believe it is. Sure, it's better than the three teams that have come up. It's it's better than Burnley's, Brighton's, Southampton's, Palace's, Wolves, Villa, Newcastle, Everton, Leeds. It's definitely better than Arsenal's. We don't know yet what Spurs are going to have as a backline. It looks like they will have Christian Romero. He's a better centre-back than either of the United pair. Uh, it looks like they may have Tommy Asso. I would prefer him to Juan Bissaka. I think he's more of an all-round defender and he's better on the ball. I would prefer Regulon to Shaw because I want to have one fullback who's elite going forward, and I believe he is. It's just about who's that other centre-back for them. If they get a, another good centre-back in, they may well have a better individual back forward than United. Now, it's all about the blend, the chemistry, how they work together. But individually, I think Spurs potentially, if they get their players in, could have a better defence. Now, it will take time for them to gel and mould and all that kind of stuff, but Spurs are doing good things. United's will be better than West Ham's, there's no doubt there. I would take Leicester's defence, individually and collectively, over United's. I think Ricardo Pereira is substantially better than Juan Bissaka. Shaw is better than James Justin now, but gives James Justin a year or two after his knee heals. And I think it'll be a very, very close conversation. United's next fullback will be Alex Tellers. I would rather have Tim Castanier. If we look in the middle, Fafana. Varane is better than Fafana now, but Fafana is definitely going to outstrip him as he develops and Varane continues to decline. I would rather have Sayonchu than Maguire, personally. I think he's a better all-round defender. He's not as good in the air, but I think he's a much better defender on the ground. Reads the game better. I think he's a lot quicker. I think it's close between United and Leicester. I would rather have Chelsea's defence than United's, even with its flaws. I would rather have Reese James than Juan Bissaka. Chilwell and Shaw is close. Shaw had a better season last year, but Chilwell was better the two seasons before. And part of Chilwell's issue last season is that he moved to a new club. He was learning how to play as a wing-back rather than a full-back on a regular basis. And also he was being rotated because Tuchel wanted to see a bit of everybody. Thiago Silva is not the defender he was. He's nowhere close to the defender he was. I still think he's on the same kind of level as Maguire. 
And between Rudiger and Christensen, who play either side of him, or Aspilicueta, I think I'd rather have their five than Chelsea's four. Sorry, than United's four. I just think there's a slight... There's a slight advantage for them. Big advantage at right back, I think, is, is the biggest difference between the two sides. City... Walker's better than Juan Basaka. I think Canseo is better than Shaw. Varane is better than Diaz at this point. Now, Maguire is also better than Stones. But I think Laporte is better than Maguire. And I think a Diaz-Laporte pairing is better than a Varane-Maguire pairing. A Stones-Diaz pairing, I would definitely take Varane and Maguire over that. And then Liverpool. Trent is far better than Wan-Bissaka. Robertson is better than Shaw. One season doesn't change that. Van Dijk is substantially better than either centre-back for United. Now, the two United centre-backs are better at the moment than Ibrahima Kanate, but like with... Fafana, he is going to continue to get better, and I think he'll get substantially better next to Van Dyke. We've seen Van Dyke improve bad centre backs to just below average in the case of Lovren, or an average centre back to a very good centre back in the case of Matip. I'd rather have Matip than Maguire, but I would rather have Varane than Matip. I'd rather have Gomez than Maguire, but I'd rather have Varane than Gomez. But Liverpool's back line is substantially better. Liverpool also have a much better goalkeeper, as do City. I think Chelsea, it's about even between Mendy and Henderson. Schmeichel and Henderson's about even. Lloris and Henderson's about even. So for all the money United have spent, I still don't think they've got the best defence in the league or the best defensive unit, including the goalkeeper. We factor in depth. They've got... You know, they've got two good backup centre-backs in Lindelof and Bailly. But would you rather have those two or, say, Gomez and Matip? I think you'd rather have Gomez and Matip. I think you'd rather have, say, Stones and Aki if Laporte is starting for City. So while United's depth is good, it's not as elite, maybe, as, as certain other clubs. So I don't think these moves push them into title contention. I think they need to figure out what they're doing at right back. If Trippier's coming in, is he coming in to start? Is Wan-Bissaka then becoming a utility defender? Or is he just an option that you can play if you go three at the back or sometimes you just rotate him and Wan-Bissaka depending on the opposition? They need to figure out what the goalkeeping situation is. Is it Henderson? Is it De Gea? Is it mix and match? That's not going to work. There's an old saying in American sports, if you've got two quarterbacks, you don't have one quarterback. I think it's the same with a goalkeeper. If you don't have a definitive picture of who your number one goalkeeper is, you don't have a number one goalkeeper. And United's midfield is still a big issue. Because when we look at holding midfielders, we see Rodri at City, Fabinho at Liverpool. We see Kante, not a holder, but a you know ball-winning destroyer in midfield for uh, Chelsea, Ndidi at Leicester, Rice at West Ham, Heusberg at Spurs, Partey at Arsenal, Calvin Phillips 
at Leeds. Even Alan at Everton. I would argue that in central midfield, every one of the top 10, and I would include Villa at 11 with Douglas Louise, every one of them has a better defensive midfielder than Manchester United. And until they solve that problem, they're not going to be a real contender. Goalkeeper, they can probably hodgepodge and get by. Right back, Wambasak is fine. He's a good defensive right back. He just offers nothing going forward. But that holding midfield problem is is what will hold them back on top of Oli. Um, like I say, Varane is a good signing. There's no doubt he's a good signing. And at that price, you can't argue with it. But he doesn't solve United's all, all of United's problems. He solves one of them to an extent. He doesn't solve all of them. I don't think they have the money this summer to buy a holding midfielder. I think when they sell Pogba, that's just paying back. So if they sell Pogba... It's just paying back the Varane money or creating money to buy Kieran Trippier. But I, I don't expect they'll buy a midfielder this summer. I think they might kick the tires, but they won't find a deal because they've spent over what they wanted on Sancho. Now, they've gotten Varane for around what they wanted to pay below what Real wanted to pay. I think they've done a better job in these negotiations than they did in the Sancho ones. We'll see how they do with, with Trippier or whoever else. But it's, look, again, it's a big expenditure. And United need to start bringing home silverware. Or Ollie will be out of a job really, really quickly. Another big name centre-back on the move, talked of this yesterday, is Toby Alderweireld. He has, um, he's joined Al Duhal, or Duhal in Qatar. They're paying $13 million for him. He is 32 years of age. Been at Spurs now six seasons, spent a year before that at Southampton, so seven in total in the Premier League. He was, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the best centre-backs in the Premier League for probably the first four seasons he was at Spurs and the season he was at Southampton. So for five years, you could make a very strong case that Toby Alderweireld was one of the best centre-backs in the league. And I think for a couple of seasons... He might have even been the best centre-back. Before Van Dijk sort of ascended to his best level and after company had started to fall off, I think there was a couple of years, maybe it was only one, where Toby was the best in the league. Um, He's had a lot of injury problems at Spurs. He's had some questionable relationships with managers. He didn't always see eye-to-eye with Pochettino, didn't always see eye-to-eye with Mourinho. But it looks like he's the one who's initiated this move. He's the one that's pushed for it. And you can't really blame him. At 32, it's an opportunity to go play somewhere new and get big bags of money. You know, fill your bank account up while you can. It's a short career. You don't have many years left. He'll still be able to come back to Europe in two years if he wants to. He'll only be 34. And there'll still be clubs you know, looking for an experienced centre-back of his nature, of his quality, who can come in and, you know, be an organiser, be a leader to a younger group. He's given Spurs great service. He has massively repaid, um, massively repaid the, the fee Spurs paid, which I think was about 11 million, and they've made profit on him now. But... When him and Vertonghen were at their best, they were just an excellent pairing. Those two 
with Walker and Rose as the full-backs, Wanyama sitting in front of them as the holding midfielder, and Hugo Lloris in goal, all of them at their best. It was the best defensive unit in the league. That's what Poch put together, was the best defensive unit in the league. Each one of them could have made a claim for a short period of time, bar maybe Lloris, that they were the best in the league in their position. I don't think Lloris was ever the best keeper in the league because back then, De Gea was Superman. Courtois was being excellent for uh, for Chelsea. So there was no real argument, I don't think, for Lloris. But he was still, you know, top, top class. Um, it's interesting to look at the Spurs team from the Champions League final only just over two years ago. Lloris, rumoured to be potentially on his way out this summer with Gallini coming in. Trippier, gone. Toby, now gone. Vertonghen left last summer. Rose left this summer, released, gone to Watford. Musa Sissoko, rumoured to be for sale this summer. Harry Winks, rumoured to be for sale this summer. Deli Ali. His career has gone way off track the last couple of seasons. Christian Eriksen, gone. Youngman Son has just signed a new contract. And then Harry Kane. And there's no guarantee that Kane will be at Spurs when the new season gets started. Even the bench. Michael Vorm, gone. Gassaniga, gone. Davinson Sanchez, rumoured to be for sale. Kyle Walker-Peters sold last summer. Juan Voigt loaned last summer, sold this summer. Serge Aurier, rumoured to be available this summer. Ben Davies, he'll stick around, but he's a, he's a squad player. Eric Lamella, now gone to Sevilla in a recent deal. Wanyama, gone. Eric Dyer, rumoured to be for sale. Lucas Moura is still there, still part of the squad, uh, but not a starter. And Fernando Loriente, gone. So... Of the 22 players, 23 players, I should say, you've got Larice, you've got Sissoko, you've got Winks, you've got Ali, Kane and Son, Sanchez, Aurier, Dyer, Davies and Mora. You've got 11 players left. And the only ones that they're certain to have next season... Son, Davies, and Mora. There's question marks over all the rest of them. They either want to sell them, or in the case of Harry Kane, he may want to leave. That's an incredible turnaround in a squad in two years. If you wonder why Spurs have fallen so far, that's probably it. That's probably it, is that they've sold a lot of players. The replacement excuse me, the replacements haven't all worked and the ones that are still left have either had huge drop-offs or, in the case of Harry Kane, have had their head turned. Now, Spurs are looking good this summer. They're doing good things. Uh, Romero, if they can get that one across the line, will be a great signing. I think Tomiyasu would be a, a really good signing. Brian Gill's a very good signing. Galini addresses a, a, a need there's a lot of reports now that, especially from, from Alistair Gold, that if they get Romero across the line, they're not done at centre-back. 
They still want Kunde. They still believe they can get Kunde. So the spoofer with the catchphrase, he says he turned them down because he wants Champions League football. That's not the case. It's not the case at all. They think they can get him this summer. And if not him, somebody else. But Spurs have been aggressive, trying to get back to the level they were at when they were competing in the Champions League, getting top four every season. Obviously, the big aim is to win some silverware, but they're going about it the right way, at least. This summer looks like it's going to be a summer of good progress for them. If they hold on to Kane, they're still going to have him and Son. That's going to be trouble for anybody. Brian Gill arrives, adds a new dimension, because Bergwijn and Mora give them pace out wide, but they're both right-footed players. Gill is left-footed, can play either side, so you can play on the left cutting in, which is something they haven't really had. I know Bale did it last season a bit, but Garrett Bale doesn't really care about football anymore. I, I think we could well see Spurs have a season where they just bed these new players in. Now, that might cost them Kane next summer, in which case maybe they're better to sell them this summer, but if they can have that season of transition, but it's a season of positive transition where they're progressing, developing their new style under Nuno, maybe getting good runs in the Cups, and then next season they might be well-positioned to challenge back for the top four. But seeing Toby leave just marks you know, another end of an era for them. He's part of what is, without question, the best team Spurs have had probably since, when did they win the double? Was it 61? Was it 1961 that they won their double? I think it was. Um, it's probably the best team they've had since then. I know they've won some cups since, obviously, but... Uh, Tom, I'm, I have to look this up. Double winners. Yeah, 60-61, they won the double. Um, this, this team that we witnessed, the team that played in that Champions League final... In fact, the team before that with Walker right back was better than the team with Trippier right back. That was the best team they had. Wanyama in holding midfield next to Moussa Dembele often. That was probably the best team they had. They should have won a league title. They were the best team in the league for probably two and a half years. But unfortunately, it coincided with, you know, a really strong Mourinho-led Chelsea, a really strong Conte-led Chelsea, and obviously that Leicester season where they came out of nowhere to win the title. Spurs should have won one of those three titles, but they didn't have the mentality to do it. Maybe they weren't quite experienced enough to do it. Managers, manager wasn't experienced enough. They should have won something. That's the be-all and end-all is that they should have won something in that time. Uh, last bit of news for the day. Wayne Rooney um, is in the news for two different reasons. Now, one is his solicitor says he has reported a range of photos taken of him to police. That's according to his solicitors. The photos, which were widely shared on social media, appear to show the Derby County manager asleep in a chair with an unknown woman posing beside him. It is not known when the images were taken. and There was no suggestions that Rooney has behaved in a way, in any way inappropriately. The ex-Manchester United Stars representatives confirmed that the matter had been reported to police. His lawyers have declined to comment on the na nature of the images. A Greater Manchester Police spokeswoman said the force was not aware of the matter. 
being reported. So some conflicting reports there. Don't get involved in any part of speculation about what he was doing or, you know, Rooney's personal life is his personal life. And, you know, he's made some mistakes in the past. If he's making mistakes again, so be it. But that's, you know, for him and his family to sort out. Uh, he's in the news for something much funny. Well, funny from the outside, not funny on the inside. As everybody knows, Derby County are in a very, very messy situation where Mel Morris took bad advice for a number of years and spent way beyond his means and unfortunately got the club to a point where he couldn't sustain it anymore. Uh, Got the club to a point where he had to sell and then got taken in by a couple of questionable gentlemen who posed as buyers but had no money to actually buy the club. Um, they've been through the ringer. They've had you know fines, points deductions, etc., etc. They've been forced to sell off a number of their brilliant young academy players. I mean, it should be pointed out that over the last five years, Derby have had one of the best academies in England, not just in the championship, in England overall. Some of the players to come out of that academy, Cade Gordon at Liverpool looks a star. Louis Sib- Sibley looks very, very impressive. Jaden Bogle and Max Lowe at Sheffield United, very, very talented players. Young Lee Buchanan, very, very talented. The one I really like, the midfielder at Derby, Jason Knight, young Irish kid, very, very talented. He's the other part of this story. Rooney decided to tackle him in training the other day, and Knight has now ruled out for 12 weeks. Um, such was the nature of Rooney's tackle. He has injured his own player, probably the best player he has at the club, and ruled him out for 12 weeks. Um, you can question whether or not Rooney should have the job. He certainly didn't show anything last season to suggest that he was a capable manager. He seems to have the job just because his name is Wayne Rooney, and maybe having his name attached to the club makes them an easier sale. But you can't be throwing yourselves into tackles like that. Not not not, not an early preseason. You know, the season's a month away. Well, not it's not a month away, it's but three weeks away. You shouldn't be throwing yourself into tackles and risking injuring your own players. That's just it's just stupid. It's absolutely stupid. And um Rooney, we've known is not the most intelligent of folk. He's not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but that is just madness. Uh quick bit of news coming out of Newcastle. They are hopeful of all floating Yoshinori Muto with concrete interest in the striker from Greek club Aris Thessaloniki. Uh, Chris Wall reporting reporting that in the Athletic. Uh, he spent last season on loan at Ibar in Spain. He's been told he has no future at the Toon. He hasn't really performed there. Um, they Newcastle would ideally like to sell him, but he is in the final year of his contract. The Greek club are preferring a loan move and will be willing to cover about 40% of his wages, which are in excess of 50 grand a week. I mean, this is one of the the really bad signings of the Rafa Benitez era. He was signed from Mines, uh, where he had scored 23 goals in 72 games. So not prolific, but one in three. Uh, and Rafa gave him a contract for 50 grand a week, over 50 grand a week. Uh, in his time at Newcastle, he has had two seasons with the club. He's played 28 games, 25 of them in the Premier League. 
He has scored two goals, uh, one of them in the Premier League. Last season with Ibar, he played 28 games. He scored three goals. Um, if you look at his career, he's only scored in double figures three times, twice in the, the J, J1 League, um, once with, with Mines in his last season there. Newcastle paid $9.5 million for him. And they're going to get absolutely no t- return on that investment. I would imagine they also paid a substantial part of his wages while he was at Ibar. I don't think Ibar would be paying uh, big wages. They're a, they're a tiny club. The smallest club, I believe, in La Liga last season, and they were relegated. Uh, there is a great book, actually. If you're interested, it's called Ibar the Brave. Ewan McTeer wrote it. Um, very, very good book. Well worth your while getting your hands on. Ewan also wrote a book on Atletico Madrid. I think it's called, is it Gate Crashing? I think it's Gate Crashing La Liga. It's about when Atletico Madrid, hijacking La Liga, sorry. When Atletico Madrid won the title the first time under Simeone. Also excellent. I haven't read that one in a few years. Actually, might pull that one out to have, give another look. But uh, both of those books are very good. But Ibar is just, it's an interesting read about a very, very small club that had no real business getting to the Premier League, got there, stay or to the Premier League, to La Liga, got there and stayed there. I, I, I suppose Bournemouth would be a similar story, except that Bournemouth have a mega rich owner, whereas Ibar don't. But the similar size of club, Ibar might even be smaller. Um, the stadium only holds 8,100 and 64 people. So that'll give you an idea of just how small the stadium is. They're, the town that they're from holds 20, is, sorry, is, is home to 27,400 people. So very, very small place. And um, like Navin, where I'm from, is about the same, I think. And if we had a team in the Premier League, for example, they would get absolutely whooped on a regular basis. Uh, Navin... What is our population? Navin's urban population is 30,000. So if you've ever driven through Navin, um, it, it's got more people in it than Ibar. And yet, you know, we've got some Gaelic football teams. Simon's Town. There's another club in the town. You, we, we won't talk about that. Simon's Town Abu. Um, anyway, yeah, read Ibar the Brave. It's, it's well worth your while. And Newcastle have had a stinker there. With Mr. Muto. Um, they're looking to clear wages, though. I mean, they, they do have a number of players in the squad that, that they could do with shifting on. Um, they've let Florian Lujan go. He's gone off to join uh, Leganes, I think, in, in Spain. I think that's where he went. Um, but when you look through the squad, I mean... Kieran Clark, they could probably sell him on. Matty Longstaff, I mean, they extended his contract and he barely played last year. I think they'd quite like to move off Jolington if they could. Uh, I think they'd quite like to move Matt Ritchie out if they could. Didn't really understand giving Dwight McNeil a new contract. He's one that should have been sold. Emil Kraft, they'd, they'd probably like to move on. Um... 
one of Carl Darlow or Freddie Woodman needs to go. The rest are kids. But as you, as you can see, there's a few players there that they could probably move on and not miss very much. And I do like Kraft. Um, I think he's the best right back at the club if they were playing a flat four. But Steve Bruce has, has other ideas. So, you know, he is the coach. He is the head of the manager. So away with him. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get through the gossip. Seen a few. Right, welcome back. So, just the gossip to wrap through, and then we're finished for the day. Manchester United will sign Rafael Varane on a four-year deal with an option of a fifth season. Um, a date for his medical is unclear because he will have to go into quarantine once he arrives in the UK. United always do that extra option year in pretty much every every deal that they do. So, if you hear it announced that United have signed someone for a five-year contract, it's generally five and an option, as with Pogba. I think Sancho will be the same. Varane gets a four-year deal, I think, probably with his age. Um, and the injury problems as well. You, you don't want to risk that he gets a couple of bad injuries early on and then you're stuck with him. Uh, you're going to be stuck with him anyway, but at least four years is better than five. Uh, Newcastle are pushing to sign Axel Tunzebi from United. I like him. I think he's a promising young defender. Personally, I would be selling Bailly before him because I think he is more robust, but he's a better defender, but he can't stay fit. Um, Juventus are keen to sell Aaron Ramsey this summer. He is seen as a financial burden. Yeah, well, he's on a ridiculous contract given to him by Paratici, who's now at Spurs. Uh, you're not going to sell him. The best you'll be able to do is find someone who'll take him on a free or for a nominal fee, and you will have to pay him a substantial amount of money to go away. Um, Ben White is expected to have his medical on Wednesday with a 50 million deal already agreed with Brighton last week. I mean, for all the doubts I have over Varane being the perfect answer at United, he's certainly a much better defender than Ben White and United have got him substantially cheaper. That will show you why you don't buy in the English market. If you can avoid it, you do not buy players in England. Because it just does not pay. At no point is Ben White going to be a fifty million pound defender. At this point in his life, he's a twenty million pound defender. In the same way, Wan Bissaka was a twenty to twenty five million pound defender when United paid fifty for him. Maguire was a thirty five to forty million pound defender. United paid eighty million for him. Declan Rice is a thirty five to forty million pound holding midfielder. West Ham want eighty million for him. Grealish is a 50 to 60 million pound midfielder or winger. Uh, Villa won 100 million for him. It doesn't pay to buy English players. The premium is just far too much. There's no value in them at all. And there's no resale value because you're never going to get that money back. Romelu Lukaku is happy at Inter Milan. And the Belgium striker is not planning on leaving this summer. I mean, this... This story needs to die. He is staying. He's openly said he's staying. They've openly said there's no price where they'll sell him. He is staying. They'll sell most anybody else. I think the only ones that would be more untouchable than him, probably Barella, Bastoni, because they're both you know going to be part of the next breed of the Italian national team. Barella is already a starter, obviously. Bastoni will replace Cialini in the national team. 
And I do wonder if they'd prefer to keep Arturo Martinez than Lukaku, just based on his age. Manchester United are willing to listen to offers for eight members of their squad, including Anthony Martial, Daniel James, and Phil Jones. Now, they're not going to find a buyer for Phil Jones because the injuries that Phil Jones has suffered, just nobody could justify paying money for him. Um, he's also on substantial wages. And again, nobody's going to be able to justify that. So United would have to pay out quite a bit of money. Looking through their squad, I would have thought Mata, but they re-signed him to a new deal. So Martial, I think they'd accept a bid for Lingard if they got one. Pereira, for sure. Delot, James. I think I think Leeds will come back in for him. I think they could accept a bid for Alex Tellez. I think they'd accept a bid for Nemanja Matic. I think Twinzebi is the eighth one. I think that's probably the eighth. That would be the eighth that would make sense. Now, that this doesn't include Jones, because I don't think they can sell Jones. Maybe Twinzebi they don't want to sell. They'd, they'd probably rather keep him, actually, than Jones. So maybe Jones is the eighth, and they'd rather keep Twinzebi. But there's not a huge amount of money to be had from those players. There's only one club really interested in... In Lingard, but they seem to have moved on in West Ham. Pereira didn't have a particularly good loan spell at Lazio last season. And it looks like Lazio are going to buy Jordan Shakiri from Liverpool to replace him. Delos uh, didn't have a fantastic loan at Milan. He did okay, but he wasn't brilliant. I think they're if they can't get Trippier, they should just keep him. Dan James, they'll get $18 million for maybe from Leeds. Matic, you won't get much for at all. He, he'll be in the Jones uh, scenario. Hasn't played a lot. You know, sub-appearances mostly the last season and a bit. Um, clearly a, lot, you know, a long way past his best. Probably more value to him than there is Jones. I mean, Jones has played eight games in the last two seasons, only two in the Premier League. And in his entire United career, the most games he's ever played in the Premier League in a season of 29 in his first year, which was 2011-2012. Since then, 26. He's only ever played over 40 games once for United. That was his first season. He did get the 39 the season he played 26 league games. That was his third season. Since then, he's never been over 26 games for United in a season. Never been over 23 Premier League games. Injuries, lack of form, lack of development. Phil Jones's career has not worked out the way it should have. Um, I think if he had a chance to do it over, he'd go back and not join United. I think he might join Liverpool rather than United under Kenny. Because I think at that point, he would have come to Liverpool and been a centre-back. He would have been groomed as Jamie Carragher's replacement, played under played behind Carragher for a year or two, replaced Carragher next to Agger. And I think he'd have become a much better defender than he did. Because Phil Jones had so much talent. When he came through at Blackburn, he was tagged as the one. He was going to be the leader of the England backline. He was going to be England captain. He's still only 29. He's still a young player. He's still got four or five years ahead of him, potentially. But 
it won't be the top club. I'd love to see someone like Burnley, who reportedly do want another centre-back in. I'd love to see Burnley go and get Phil Jones. Because I think Dyche would use him properly. I think Jones was always likely to be best suited into a deep block, which is what Kenny employed with Steve Clark as his uh, assistant. I think that would have suited his style a lot better. Um, now, Liverpool, as they progressed under Rodgers, it might not have suited him as much. But I think, certainly think he would have done better than United, where you know, they went and defended on the halfway line in away games, for example, with Ferdinand and Vidic. And he was stuck behind Ferdinand and Vidic. He was played in holding midfield. He was played at right back. He never got a consistent run at centre-back until he played next to Chris Smalling. Smalling's okay, but that's not an ideal partnership for anybody. Um, Crystal Palace are close to completing the signing of Joachim uh, Eriksson. That's a good signing. I do like that one. Spurs are stepping up their attempts to sign Christian Romero for £40 million. That's going to be a brilliant signing. An absolutely brilliant signing. He is phenomenal. Best defender in, in Serie A last season, without doubt. Aston Villa's bid to sign Bayer Leverkusen's Jamaican winger Leon Bailey has been complicated by Leicester, Everton, Wolves and Southampton showing interest in the 23-year-old. So, um, Southampton have no money. Wolves don't really have a need for him having brought in Trinkiao. Everton would be interesting, but it seems like they prefer Dwight McNeil. Leicester would be a good fit for him. I still think Villa's the best spot for him, though. Because I don't know that he's an, an every-game starter at Leicester. He's definitely an every-game starter at Villa. I think Villa is the best place for him to go. Um, Juventus have told Cristiano Ronaldo they expect him to stay at the club this season. They can't find a buyer for him. No one's willing to take on the contract. Simple as that. No one's willing to pay him 70, 80 million a year. Um, he's, he's 36. He has sharply declined since joining Juventus. You could see it in his kind of performances last season. Even when he was scoring goals, he offers so little in open play. Nobody's, nobody's going to be willing to pay a fee and then take on paying him monstrous wages. He'll be 37 in February. He'll still play probably till he's 40. And he'll still score goals till he's 40, but he won't offer enough, I don't think, in all-round play to make it worthwhile for many clubs. Uh, Barcelona are yet to receive any contact from clubs' interest in Antoine Griezmann. It's because there aren't any. Jordan Shaqiri looks set to leave Liverpool this summer with Napoli and Lazio among the clubs interested. Like I said, I think he, I think he ends up going to... Lazio. I think that's the, the best fit for him. I think they're the club with the most interest and probably the more money to spend. West Ham are keen on signing Jens Stryger Larsen, who is in the final year of his contract at Udinese would cost around 4.2 million. So I assume that's about 5 million euro. Um, he played really well in the Euros. He is a solid right wing back, attacking right back, would be a good rotation player with Soufal. So that would kind of give them the right backs that they want moving forward. If Sufal is out, he can play. They can play together because I think he can play as a winger as well. Um, would make sense. Would make sense for them to sign him. Um, especially with, with the Europa League on their plate this season. There's a lot of football now to be played. 
Former West Ham and Stoke striker Marco Arnautovic will arrive in Italy this week to complete a move to Bologna. Bologna are an interesting club. Um, they've been really good with the recruitment in the last couple of years. Uh, Arnautovic is a different type of signing, but I do think he'll fit in well there. I think he'll do well in, in Serie A. Uh, Leeds and Crystal Palace are interested in signing Chelsea and England under-21 international midfielder Conor Gallagher on loan. I think he's a really good fit for both. I'd love to see him under Bielsa, but Palace probably have the bigger need in midfield, but I do want to see him under Bielsa. If Leeds can't get him, I've said this before, I'd love to see them go and try and get Lewis Cook. Slightly different type of player, but he is Leeds through and through. Came through the academy, was so highly touted. They were so excited by him. Even with Calvin Phillips being there, I mean, a couple of years older, Cook was the one. Uh, but they had to sell him because their finances were such a mess. They got £20 million from If they get him back for less than that now, I think that'd be a good move. Arsenal and Iceland goalkeeper, runner Alex Runnerson, the worst goalkeeper I've ever seen, is set to join Turkish side Altai on loan for the rest of the season. Now, I'm not saying that to be hyperbolic. He is genuinely, at the Premier League level, the worst goalkeeper I've ever seen. I mean, he makes Adam Adam Bogdan look like a competent goalkeeper. That's how bad he is. Smoke hands doesn't even begin to cover. Smoke body. There's just nothing to him. Take a shot. He will find a way not to save it. Uh, Newcastle striker, you should hear about the yeah, blah, blah, blah. Uh, League One club Wickham are in advance talks to sign Sam Vokes from Stoke City. For a League One side, I think Sam Vokes would be a very good signing. He's um, he's always done pretty well in the Championship. He has had a rough couple of seasons in the Premier League, obviously at the times. Not a huge goal, uh, not a huge goal scorer, but as a secondary striker, someone who leads your line. And create opportunities. You can get pace and movement in around him. I do quite like him. He's had you know a few really good seasons in the championship with Burnley. Um, but it hasn't always gone well from at Stoke. I think he'd make a lot of sense for, um, for Wickham. Only the five starts last season. 30 appearances. So a valuable squad player. But only only five starts. I think he, didn't, I think he went, went the whole season by scoring a league goal which obviously isn't ideal for a striker. And finally, Stoke are interested in signing Aston Villa's English striker, Keenan Davies, on a loan deal. So that would make sense why they would need Vokes out, get his wages off the books, and look to bring in Davis, who has struggled at the Premier League level. Um, I think he's the same type of striker. I think he's more a facilitator than a goal scorer. 85 career games, only six goals. Now, even being a facilitator, that's not acceptable. So that needs to, you know start jumping up, uh, but did get his first Premier League goal last season, the equaliser against West Brom there in April. New contract signed September 2020, so he is committed to Villa long term, but he needs to go and get games somewhere. He won't get them at Villa, so he might as well go and get them with, with Stoke. I mean, Stoke are very well managed by uh, Michael O'Neill, uh, who I am a fan of, and I think... He's done a pretty good job at Stoke. Now, there's still a lot of work to do. But this summer, they've committed to getting rid of a lot of the big money failures that were there in the past. Um, Kevin Vimmer is gone. John Obi Mikel is gone. Maurice Bauer is gone. 
Bruno Martins, Indy's gone. Now these are these were decent players, but they just didn't work at Stoke for whatever reason. Who knows what the reason? I think a part of it was they they bought centre backs to play in the back three, and then insisted on playing a, a flat back four, and insisted on playing centre backs at full back, centre backs who weren't suited to playing as a two man pairing as a two man pairing when they needed to be in a three, uh, wing backs who had to play full back. It was a mess. Mark Hughes started an absolute catastrophe there and just waddled off into getting the Southampton job and then created a huge mess there. Mark Hughes should never get another job in football. After what he did at Stoke, he should never have gotten another job. How how Southampton saw fit to appoint him after the mess he created. So now look, he did... He did all right at Stoke in the early seasons there. I think they finished ninth twice. Um, but when he started, oh, sorry, three times they finished ninth. But when he started to spend a lot of money, things went bad really, really quickly. And they were heading for relegation when he ran away. Um, yeah, mess. Anyway, that's the end of today's show. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you for subscribing on the different apps. If you have a chance, if you could on Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts, you can leave us a five-star rating. It just helps the podcast show up more. When people are listening to other football podcasts, it helps this one show up as, you know, other people are listening to or suggested podcasts, whatever it is. Uh, so that would be cool. If you if you have time, if you don't, don't worry about it. You can write what you want. You can write that this podcast would be much better if it was just an hour of, you know, empty empty silence. As long as you do the five stars, it doesn't really matter what you say. Um, but yeah, thanks as always. Thank you to Guy Drinkle and thank you to Fox Hunt for the tunes. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.